This song is called Gratitude. And it was on my playlist while we were in Nepal. It just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And just a wonderful song that just you know, causes us to tune our hearts to be thankful hearts for the gospel. And when you read Romans chapter 1, uh, you know, it's just a list of depravity of what happens when hearts turn away from worshiping the living God to worshiping created things. And one of the things that it says is a mark of depravity is unthankful. And just today, Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to have that mark upon us, Lord. We want to have the mark of the redeemed, of grateful. So, Lord, we just say thank you, God. And just, you read the scriptures and you read responses to you. And we're even going to see today in Revelation just how the the response of a grateful heart is song, it's posture, it's shout. And Lord, you are worthy of it all today. As we gather in the name of Jesus on this Lord's Day, We make much of you, we celebrate you, we consider you, how we can tell more about you. You're worth all of it, Lord. And so just let your spirit just be over this morning as it's a different morning and there's a lot of moving parts and technology that needs to run right and flow and all of it, Lord. And we just want to just rest in just your spirit in the church today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you guys want to go ahead and have a seat, we're going to have the drama team go back in the green room, get your gear on. Uh, It's kind of a special day. We just got back from Nepal on Thursday, and we know a lot of you were praying, a lot of you were gathering uh, in the uh, the evenings uh, throughout those 12 days that we were gone, and we felt it. It was awesome. And you know what? I hear children... And that reminds me, I'm going to have children come up here right now, okay? Because I want to teach you. And so I'm going to say, as young as a parent maybe wants to come up with their child, up to about the fourth or fifth grade, come on up here, kids. I want to teach you a song that we did in Nepal, okay? So all you kids, come right up here. Just going to hang out up here in the carpet. No one's hardly going to see you. It's going to be, hey, did you come to see me? You're going to go to the Dairy Queen? All right. (laughs) Take me with you, Okay. Okay, so kids, you can just come right here, okay? You can hang out. Actually, you know what? Come on up here with me. Is that cool? Okay, so uh, one thing that we did, we did it last year, and uh, it was a total hit in Nepal, and so, uh, so we were looking forward to doing it again, and it was that we would go from village to village, and we would sing a song uh, to the children uh, called Kasli Banayu. Now, the funny thing is, is we couldn't understand what was being said, and so uh, we kept thinking that uh, that they were saying, costly banana, and uh, costly banana, produce isn't cheap, was what it sounded like, and we're like, man, you guys got some real issues with inflation over here uh, in Nepal, and... Uh, and so it was really funny because as we were getting ready to go to Nepal this year, Chris texted Anon, one of the pastors over there, and he said, hey, really looking forward to singing Costly Banana with you. And he's like, hey, good news. Prices are going down. Bananas aren't so costly anymore. Uh, but it's not Costly Banana. It's Costly Banayu. Okay, so uh, 
everyone else who was on the Nepal team, come on up here with me. Uh, so we got the drama team and then we've got everybody else. So come on up, everybody else. Come on up. We're going to help the kids sing Costly Banayu. And uh, it goes through a couple different things. So Costly Banayu, what it means is who created, who created, and the first one we're going to sing is, it sounds, it looks like fool, who created the fools. I mean, that's the Lord too, but uh, who created the flower, okay? And, uh, and so this is what we do for, for fool. Does this look like a flower to you guys? Does this look like a flower? Kind of looks like a flower to me, right? So fool harulai, we say fool harulai three times. And then the last part is God who lives in the heaven, iswar joswargama cha, but cha sounds like cham, okay? And we got to clap our hands on cham, okay? Don't worry, you don't know it. I'm going to teach it to you, okay? So the first one is who made the flower? Who made the flower? Who made the flower? God who lives in heaven, okay? You guys want to sing it with me? Okay, here's how it goes. I'm going to lay it out for you, all right? How about you guys turn and look? Or I'm going to come down here. Is this cool? And you guys are going to help me out, okay? All right, here we go. Kasli ben... Oh, I forgot. It's been three days since I've been in Nepal. I already forgot. So we're going to say, Kasli benayu, and that means who created? Fool harulai, fool ha... Can you do this? Fool harulai, Kasli benayu, fool harulai, iswar joshwar gamacham. Got it? Okay, hit the next one, Rhonda. What is it? Costly Banayu. What do we got? <gasps> chara Harulai. What do you think Chara? What does Chara sound like? Star. All right? So Tara Harulai. Ready? And we're going to go like this. Stars in the sky. Ready? Costly Banayu. Chara Harulai. Tara Harulai. Tara Harulai. Kasli banayu tara harulai iswarjashwargamacham. You guys are getting it, just like the kids in Nepal. What's the next one, Rhonda? We got costly banana. Oh, helmet on the head. No, not really. It's fish. It's really hard to find a picture of a Nepali fish, and those things are ugly. Look at the lips on that thing. I don't even know what that is. Okay, so costly banayo. Matzah, matzah harulai, ready? Oh, and this is, is this a fish sign? Should we do this? Maybe something like that? Okay. Kasli benayu matzah harulai, matzah harulai, matzah harulai. Kasli benayu matzah harulai, iswar joshwar gamasham. Where's the clap, guys? Where's the clap? I need a chum. Okay, good job. All right, what do we have next? Oh, himal harulai. Himal. What does himal sound like, you guys? Where do we get himal? Right? Himalaya, himal. All right. All right. So, kasli banayo himal. Ready? Kasli banayo himal harulai. Himal harulai. Himal harulai. Kasli banayo himal harulai. Cham. All right, good job. Okay, what's the next one? Oh my goodness. Okay, we're going to do this. Okay, all right. 
Don't you know how to do a monkey? Kasliba Baraharulai. Yes, you guys are getting it. All right, we're taking you to Nepal next year. What is going on here? What is this? Prineville Soccer Club 2024 on the elephant. They actually do this in Nepal. They play soccer with elephants. Okay, so Hati Harulai. And let's go like this for the elephant. Okay, all right. Kasli banayu hati harolai, hati harolai. Kasli banayu hati harolai, iswar joshwar gamasham. All right, you're so loud. Could you quiet down a little bit? What is this? A mosquito, matzo harolai. And we're going to go like this and suck blood. Okay, all right. Kasle banayu matzo harulai, matzo harulai, matzo harulai. Kasle banayu iswar joshwar gamachang. All right, I think we're on the last one. Who made you and me? Who made you and me? Kasle banayu timilai mailai. Iswar, God who lives in heaven, who made you and me? Okay, are you ready? Kasli banayo timi lai mai lai, timi lai mai lai, timi lai mai lai. Kasli banayo timi lai mai lai, Iswar joshwar gamachang. Woohoo! That's it. That's all of it. Good job, guys. High fives. High five. Good job. You're so brave coming up here. Good job. Yeah. Future worship leader right here. Good job, guys. Okay, you can go back to your moms and dads after you give me a high five. All right. Sweet. Yes. Good. Oh, man. High punch. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. So, man, that was a hit with the kids over there. They're just like, gotta have more costly banana. Okay. All right. Drama team, come on out. So, uh, we're going to be doing the King of Hearts drama for you guys. I've been doing this since I was 15 years old in Hungary and Brazil and now in Nepal. And I'm sure you'll be able to get the message uh, from behind it. But it has just been an incredible tool when you go to a nation that you don't speak the language. um, This tool has just been so impactful with the mission. And uh, we got everybody here. All right. So go ahead, hit it.
so uh, you probably gathered the storyline, and it's just been such an incredible opportunity to then have a translator come up and to share the gospel of uh, the God who heals broken hearts and changes you from the inside out. And, you know, our prayer has really been that as we share this with the church this morning, that, uh, man, that that would resonate with you. I mean, I've seen this drama a hundred times since I was 14, 15 years old, and um, we'd performed it a bunch in schools and stuff, um, even in Nepal. And there was this one outreach where we did it, and uh, it was just on some dirt schoolyard, you know, with like 15 people watching, you know, and and by the time they were done, most of our Nepal team w- was just weeping, you know, and uh, and you know, it's our prayer before we dismiss the children here that you know maybe that is you, and you are someone who's wearing a mask. And you might be the person that puts your stock in your beauty and your appearance and how you appear to others, or maybe you're just a clown and you just goof around and you make a joke to cover up the pain, or you go to the substances. You know, the Lord just wants to just remove all of that and bring freedom. It's the promise of the new promise of the new covenant that you be given a new heart of flesh that is alive and can know God and be changed by God. You know, or maybe you're just the macho man. I'll just tough my way through it. And by the end of it all, I just, you know what? I'll just, I'll just put on that tough face. And by the end, on my deathbed, I'm going to die a tough guy. You're going to die. You're going to perish a tough guy. You're going to be condemned a tough guy. You know, you need to let the Lord just take you and soften you and, and really even remove all that fear. You know, my, my mom always used to say, if someone's bullying you, it's because they're scared or jealous, you know? And, uh, and I just wonder if there's fear in you and that's why you put on that tough face. But the Lord wants to heal that and bring life to that. Or you're just a religious person. That was that last person, you know, the two-faced religious person, the hypocrite, just pointing at everybody else. All of you guys, you don't know what you're doing. You don't got it right. Me, I know that I've got it right. And you just go around just an arrogant, hypocrite, religious Pharisee. And you know what? The Lord is not impressed with the religious He says that his big woes, woe to the Pharisee for they walk around in those religious robes and they love the greetings that they get as just a religious person. But inside they are just, they're like a dead men's bones inside, but the outside is a whitewashed tomb and the Lord wants to change your heart and make you a a new creation. And so uh, through the rest of this morning, I just encourage you to just ponder the drama and let the Lord take your heart and take your mask off and just make you a new creation. So uh, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the children now to children's ministry. We wanted the kids to see the drama and learn costly banana. And uh, we're going to just have a little time of meet and greet, and then we'll come back up. We'll share more about our Nepal trip. So take about five minutes to do that. I just want to give just a quick little theology on what we're doing in Nepal, why we're going to Nepal. I'd like to do that greater series again soon on why Nepal, what's the big deal, and uh, and why would we be heading to this place. But uh, we have about a half an hour here, and so I want to give um, uh, give some time for the team to be able to share as well. And I'm going to control here. Give me one sec. Genesis 12, 8. Rhonda, it looks like I'm going to need you to click on that. Thank you. Uh, so when God makes his covenant to Abraham, it's probably a familiar passage to you guys. He says, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him 
who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's a, another similar statement that he makes to Abraham. I want you to hit that next, Genesis uh, 22. Uh, again, he says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham has this promise given to him by God that through your seed, uh, Galatians chapter three tells us that seed is Jesus. Through Jesus, all, uh, let's go back to that last one, Genesis 12, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then Genesis 22, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed. And so uh, missiologists, guys that study missions, uh, they have really dove into the scriptures and looked at this and essentially funneled it down to the promise is that the smallest family group of the world will have Jesus impact their family and bless their family through salvation that's in Jesus Christ. And so that promise of, of to Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant, is uh, that through Jesus, all the nations of the earth and all the families of the earth will be blessed. That promise also goes to Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, verse 4. In your seed, all the nations will be blessed. And then to Jacob, uh, again, uh, through your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are all given these covenants, these promises that through their family line, through their seed, and Paul makes it clear in Galatians chapter three that he doesn't say seeds as of many, but seed as in one, uh, that is Jesus. Um, and then it goes on in Galatians three to say the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying in you all the nations of the uh, all the nations shall be blessed so paul tells us uh, an interpretation of this an understanding of those covenants is that the gentiles will be saved uh, and if you're here today, there's a 99% chance that you're not a Jew. You know, maybe you have a little bit in you, but most of us here are not Jewish. We're Gentiles. And th these verses ought to just make our hearts jump because it tells us that there's hope uh, for us today. And then as you look at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, this, these are Jesus's last words before he sends into heaven. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I, I came, I lived a sinless life, an obedient life to the Father. I died a sacrificial death. I was vindicated when I rose from the dead and showed that I really was sinless and that I really am God. I'm vindicated in my resurrection. And through this good news of what I've done, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And what does he do with that great authority? He commissions the disciples and gives them a mission to go, to go and to make disciples of all nations. And so you might underline that or capture, uh, note that all nations need to hear the gospel and they need to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so uh, 2,000 years ago, Jesus, Jesus gave us this commission to go and to make followers of him and to teach them all things that he has taught. And, uh, and then a couple other just key verses are Matthew 24, 14. 
in the Olivet Discourse. This is like an eschatology passage about the end times. And you know, we're a Calvary Chapel. We believe in the imminent return of Jesus, which means that he could come back at any moment. Um, and we're excited for that. We look and we watch. And then there's also this truth that uh, in the Olivet Discourse that Jesus says, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And you know, my understanding used to be that, well, you know, there's like 200 sovereign countries in the world. You know, Mexico's heard about Jesus. Canada's heard about Jesus. England's heard about Jesus. Italy's heard about, like, we're almost there. And as you study, though, many of the missionaries, they look at the studies that when you look at the nations, you're looking at tribes, you're looking at families, you're looking at languages. And so tribes and language has a real big part in this term nations, okay, all the way down to small family groups. Um, but it says, and then the end will come. So we believe Jesus can come back at any moment. And at the same time, he hasn't come back yet. What's he waiting on? I believe he's waiting for all the nations to hear the gospel of Jesus and to be impacted and be blessed by that. In Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, we see the angels in heaven, we see the elders of heaven, we see a representation of Christians in heaven singing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And so one day at the end of the story, at the book, at the book end over here, Revelation, right? And Revelation, we see that there's a group that is there worshiping God saying, you've redeemed us by your blood. Raise your hand today if you took communion today and worship Jesus because he's redeemed you from your sin by your blood. So I think that we're going to be singing that song and it's going to be from people out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And to just use a quick illustration, a, a missionary friend of mine had a vision once uh, to, to help describe this of an angel in heaven on that day with a giant keyboard with some 11,000 keys on it. And as he pushes it, you've got Australians sing and they're throwing another shrimp on the barbie type of an accent, you know, and they're worshiping Jesus. And over here, you've got South Africans worshiping Jesus and tribes from South Africa. You've got different Native Americans that we can push that keyboard button and they'll chime in on this. But the, right now, the current state of world missions is that out of some uh, 17,000 people, uh, there's half of those people groups, nations, tribes, and tongues that have yet to be reached with the gospel. And so if this were to happen today, missionaries are saying the angel would push the button and just get a dead, a dead sound from the keyboard or over here, a dead sound from the keyboard. Oh, over here, you know, we can hit, uh, Ireland, Ireland and the Irish tribes and have a number of Irish tribes or whatnot. And they'll sing just beautiful songs. But over here, there's all these different tribes, tongues, people, and nations that have never heard. And so let's just real quick look at the global dashboard there. It might be a little small for you, but basically some of the most recent studies right now say that, uh, of a total population there in the middle of almost 8 billion people, uh, they've studied that there's around 17,435 different people groups known as nations, known as tribes or tongues, or even these families that, that they are understanding it to mean. And as you look there at that top chart, uh, number one, unreach. And I would, I would add to that unengaged unreach is what that really symbolizes. Um, it's this 42.6% 
of those people groups are unreached with the gospel. Um, and then as you look at the total population, you look at that, that's three, you know, 3.3 billion or whatever, 42.5% of that population. And so a very small number of on this chart would be considered significantly reached. Kind of that Prineville, Oregon would be in that green. But really the majority of the world, half the world is in the red right now. Where are those places? Let's look at the map called the 1040 window. And you see, man, U.S. got a really good reach going on, right? South America, except for some isolated jungles and things, there's a really good reach going on. South, uh, southern part of Africa, isn't that interesting that missionaries have done really well? But there's what's called the 1040 window. And especially as you look over in the India area, and where is a solid red block just north of India? Do you see that solid red just unengaged, unreached. Anybody know what country that is? That's Nepal. That's Nepal. And you know what? Through a season of fasting and prayer in 2014, we just were like, Lord, you got to do a work in our church concerning missions. We want to be, have your heart for the world, but we don't even know where to start. In 2014, it was like the book of Acts was happening here when he opened up a door for us to go to, uh, to Nepal. One next slide here, the Nepal unreached. Uh, we'll check that out. These are a number of the different tribes that are unreached in Nepal right now. Uh, it kind of depends on where you look, but Joshua, the Joshua Project is a really good source. Number of people groups, 269 total people groups in Nepal. So that's tribes, tongues, nations. Okay, 269. Guess how many of them are still unreached with the gospel? 258 of those tribes are unreached with the gospel. So progress level, we're in the red right now. And then towards the end of today, I'll just kind of continue on with what's going on in Nepal and what our heart is there. Um, But I just wanted to give you a bit of our passion, our vision, and really a lot of what we do as a church that kind of informs even what we do on a day-to-day basis, it has to do with this. It has to do with, there are people, of course, locally, some people have never heard about Jesus, but it's in a population of highly reached people. Regionally, we're going regionally. We're out in Polina. We're all around. We're taking the gospel out there. But then as you zoom out and you look globally, man, the Lord has taken us to a place that is just untapped, untouched percentage-wise with the gospel. And so uh, let's go ahead and move that Google Earth uh, program over Rhonda. And you guys can pray for Rhonda, the poor lady. She's going to bear a lot of what has happened today. And um, she's doing, let's give Rhonda a hand. We just love you, Rhonda. You're doing so good. And so we'll do um, just a bit of a slideshow here and description of what uh, the Lord did today as we get this loaded up. This will be my or has been my seventh trip to uh, Nepal. Uh, We had a couple years off during COVID. In fact, we were two days away from going. Um, Why don't we go ahead and just, you can go off air on Proclaim just in case that's messing us up. No, never mind. I don't think that's the problem. For some reason, you guys, today we got this extra big window. And so we've been practicing on how do we maximize this window. She did it, everybody. She did it. Yes. That's why you get paid the big bucks. Okay. Okay. Let me see if I can take it from here. So far, we're doing pretty good. 
Uh, this was my seventh trip, and we went with a missions organization that uh, just was a wonderful group. It's really who turned us on to Nepal and got us started with all of this understanding. And then um, last year, they had to flee the country because of persecution, and the Lord opened up another door, and it ended up being with Calvary chapels over there. And, uh, and you know, of course, right, wouldn't you think? But not every Calvary has this miss- missiological missionary understanding. And sometimes we just kind of get focused on, oh, local outreach, that's what we do. And we are trying to say, man, but look, biblically, there's a global thing that's happening that God wants to do. And sometimes that's a hard wall to crack through, hard shell to crack through. And so we were like kind of apprehensive, like, we'll see how this goes. How are they going to receive it? And a little spoiler alert, in the last year and including this year, these Calvary chapels and these pastors, their hearts are overflowing to partner with us to reach the unreached of the Himalayas. Um, and so it's just just a thrilling thing. Um, but it started here and uh, you guys came and you joined us on that Saturday, right on that prayer time. Then we hit over to Redmond. And you know how wonderful it is to have an airport in your backyard that you can just connect to the to the globe by? That is the Lord. And part of our testimony is these big, some of these big missions organizations, they've seen what's going on in our body, in our church. And I give all the glory to the Lord in the way we pray for the nations, give for the nations, go to these people groups. And they say, we've gone to mega churches that don't have a fraction of the heart you guys have. Um, they are stoked that we are a part of it. And I think it's just the sovereign hand of the Lord that has put an airport in our backyard so that we can be going to the nations. So pretty thrilling. Uh, from uh, Redmond, we went to Seattle. Anybody ever hit up that airport? It's pretty special. From Seattle, anyone throwing up yet? Like, oh gosh. Uh, we, we made it to um, South Korea. And that was just an incredible airport, probably one of the best airports and airlines uh, we've ever been on. And then from South Korea, uh, we went to Kathmandu. And I've got the Nepal team up here today. And anytime that they see something that sparks kind of their heart of what the Lord was doing, uh, they're going to chime in. Then in Kathmandu, uh, we stayed at this incredible guest house that's uh, called Hannah's, Hannah's Guest House, or rather Bethel Guest House. It's this Filipino believer woman and her husband, excuse, excuse me, husband, who's also a, a believer. And, uh, and they are just incredible. They have a heart for missionaries. And uh, last two years, we've stayed here at Hannah's Guest House, um, uh, rather Bethel Guest House. And just sweet Hannah, she was gone this year. But um, it's a really good home to come to and kind of find a comfortable place after you've been trekking. We went from Hannah's uh, Bethel guest house there to what's called Posh Potty. If you've gone to our church for any amount of time, you're familiar with Posh Potty. Okay, it's really like one of the biggest Hindu temples and places of worship uh, in the entire world. Uh, it's a place that at the Bagmati River, at the really the as the Bagmati River comes into. Uh, Kathmandu. Uh, Hindus come to die here. If they can, if they know they're going to be dying soon, they come here to some of these buildings, that white building there, and they're kind of little um, deathbeds essentially, because within 24 hours, they need to be cremated on one of these pyres here uh, in the river. And it's, I'm telling you, it's one of the dirtiest rivers that you'll ever um, see. I guess I'll go back. I don't really know. Google uh, Earth doesn't let you really organize your pictures in the slideshow. So let's see if I can, 
um, head back. So, uh, and the farther up you go up the river on a funeral pyre, if you die, is your cast. You're a higher cast. Lower down, you are a lower cast. And then you'll have families there mourning and grieving, and you see the smoke there of someone being cremated. And uh, it's there that they um, then have their ashes pushed into the river. Oftentimes you see very poor little children just scouring the river for gold jewelry or gold teeth. Uh, but it's also here at Pashpati that uh, there's just so many uh, Hindu stupas. You see on the right there, just a number of them, and they just kind of go on and on. We just took time as a team to walk through and to pray. Right here, there's uh, the Nepali pastors and Chris and myself, and we just spent time praying, even praying for those pastors to have a freshly soft heart for the people that are around them uh, within their own culture. And uh, it's here that there's this Hindu temple, uh, especially to Vishnu, and uh, to the God that uh, we were hearing stories from Anand who grew up Hindu. And I'm just telling you, the stories they have of their millions of gods are just perverse, selfish, powerless, weak, impotent, stupid. Like these gods are not gods that you'd be like, oh yeah, I could see why you'd follow. I mean, these are like, what are you doing following these pathetic, impotent, worthless, like it's horrible. And most of it has to do with sex. Okay, and so even here, there's uh, this is where many phallic symbols spread throughout, even um, all through Kathmandu. Even in the middle of the road, will be these places of phallic symbols where women will worship there and touch the phallic symbol and hope that they'll become um, pregnant. And uh, and this is the opening of that temple. Got the vases there at the opening of Pashpati. Anything at Pashpati that stuck out to anybody? Maybe your first time there. Or, Anything? I'm just, man, I'm going a million miles an hour, you guys. So you just got to be like, you know how you were in Nepal, Michelle, when I'd be talking and you'd interrupt me and do that. No, I'm joking. Yeah. So when we were going up the river, so they have the, um, all the places where they cremate and then they have some, um, idols as well as some places for sacrifice. And so we were kind of joking, oh, you know, animal sacrifice, human sacrifice. And our guide was saying, actually, um, we do continue to do uh, human sacrifice here. It happens uh, once every 12 years. I'm not sure how accurate that is, um, uh, but everyone we talked to said, yeah, we still do human sacrifice here. Every other year we'll do the um, animal, um, but that was just kind of a shock to me, thinking, wow, here's a country that I'm in, and they're doing human sacrifice because they don't know Jesus. Um, and so that kind of really, right at the beginning of the trip, really stirred for me. Um, just the importance of being there. Yeah. They say on that day, you don't want to be hanging out late after curfew because you might be the one snatched for um, such a thing. Uh, We then went to the Calvary Chapel Bible College there in Kathmandu. Uh, Just had a great time uh, getting a tour of uh, the college. Um, Let's see here. This is hot back a little bit. Uh, this is our second year visiting here, so all the new folks got a tour of the college and uh, the roof line, and it overlooks um, the uh, one of the prisons in Kathmandu. So imagine being, being in Bible college, and when you go up on the roof to pray, across the wall is a pretty good-sized prison with uh, murder. I mean, it really gets you praying, doesn't it? Uh, this is just the cafeteria and the lunchroom and the study hall. Uh, this is the roof there. 
hanging out with the pastors. And then we have this special time where, it, you know, sometimes ministry, it's a little awkward. You know, you're like, wow, Rory's bringing all the kids up and singing Costly Banana with them. And, oh, look, he's doing hand motions. I wouldn't want to be him. You guys, just sometimes you just got to let the pride down and just let it all out, right? Uh, and one of the things is it's like, okay, we're going to all be together out in this courtyard. And you got all the Nepalis like on one half and all of us on the other side. And, okay, they're going to sing a song in Nepali and they're just like worshiping in Nepal. Now it's our turn, guys. We got to really one up them on this one, you know, and then we probably did that three times each. And then uh, they just gave an opportunity for me to share. And essentially I shared what I just shared with you guys. Uh, Here we did the drama for them. And, you know, I'm excited about this because uh, they're a culture that loves dances and dramas and visual stories. And even these kids, these students make up their own stories um, to do as dramas. And so I can see the King of Hearts and a Redeemer drama uh, being used in these ways. Any thoughts on the Bible college before we just uh, move on? Yeah, I got one more. Good. Yeah, it's someone else hey, has anything. you can be at every time, Mike. Yeah, that's great. yeah, the Bible college, I was surprised at um, how healthy it was and just how they their mission of bringing in locals from different villages with the goal of equipping them for two years and then to be sent back out to those villages, to places that are hard for us to go, um, and then to be a light there. And so it just, it was cool to see that. Um, and then also to see how willing they were to go, but at the same time, um, it is very culturally different. And so for us to be there, the encouragement that we gave them, I, I wasn't expecting to encourage so many believers that were already there. I was like, okay, I'm going to go reach the lost. But the believers that were there, they were just so encouraged by us and so empowered. And it was the translators were just talking to us and saying, you're how much you're empowering these people just by being here and by being on this trip and going and seeing that, okay, I can go out um, and do these things. And so it was really cool to see that happen. Mm, Yeah. Amen. So whenever you're praying for us, when we're in Nepal and you know, we're getting ready to take off to the mountains, pray while we're packing and getting those trekking packs finalized because it's stressful you know, you've just got limited space and look at my, he's like, oh goodness, oh, what have I put in my, what have I put in my pack? Um, what am I doing? But uh, we had three Jeeps this year full of us heading up and you guys, it is, uh, it's four high, four low country uh, where we're going. It is rough. Uh, one way that made these five to eight hour trips fast for me is I read John Patton's missionary biography to the cannibals near New Zealand. And uh, as I'm reading my phone is jarring around like this. And so I'm like, hold on a second. Okay, and I get my bearings and I read it out loud to our, uh, to our bus. But uh, here we ended up in Doomray. Chris, would you share about Doomray? Just, I'd like you to share just the contribution uh, that we made for the roof uh, there. And then Russell, you shared too. Sorry, I didn't see that you were locked. Yeah, so Doomray is a, a church. It's about five hours outside of Kathmandu, Calvary Chapel. Um, pastor Milan is the, is the pastor there. He lives with his entire family, his father, his mother, his brothers all live there as well. Um, we showed some pictures last year of how we did ministry there and the children's ministry is literally in the barn. So they have, um, they have these water buffalo, they, they move them out, they clean out the floor and then they move the kids in for Sunday service. And so that's what it is. And so last year we were there and you can kind of see 
on that picture. There's some um, pylons on top of the roof there. And we just started praying how we could come alongside because God is doing a radical work there in Doomery. In fact, there's another people group who are known as the forest people that are traveling over an hour by foot to come down to be ministered to. Um, And then he and his brother are ministering to them um, on Sunday mornings, or actually Saturday mornings. So we've been praying about how we could come alongside them. We kind of um, brought it up to the board and said, hey, this is a this is a need for them. They need some more space. Um, and so we started talking to them about what it would cost to, f- to finish off the second story of this, this building. That would give them more rooms, classrooms for kids. It would give them more space for ministry, etc. Um, and by God's grace, moved upon the hearts of the leadership, and we ended up bringing a gift of $22,000 to them to complete the second story. Um, That's all they're going to need to complete the second story of this building, and they believe they'll have it done by next year when we come back uh, next, next winter. And so really blessed to see the joy and the humility uh, of their hearts as they're just blown away that a church literally on the other side of the planet uh, would have a heart, would recognize what God's doing there and want to be a part of it. it was pretty amazing. And so again, just want to thank you guys for being so generous to that. that. That's something that through God's grace and through the Spirit of God moving upon your heart, we're able to bless this church over there um, halfway around the world. Well, uh, last year, I went last year, and we stayed, uh, I think, about four days, maybe even more, last year uh, in Doomery, and it was just so refreshing to go again, see a lot of uh, fun faces, and last year I really connected with uh, one of a couple of their kids, uh, the young folk, I wouldn't say kids because they're probably in their 20s, but um, they, uh, it was just so fun. There's this uh, kid named Jenish, and I really connected with him last year, and just seeing him uh, this year was just amazing. I uh, just love him so much. He is probably one of the best guitar players I've ever seen like it, or heard of it's it's crazy and so uh and then that's also where i met uh or kind of connected with the buddy that i will be hanging out with most of the trip prabat and just uh hanging out with all those young guys was awesome and uh super refreshing too being there just seeing familiar faces and uh but yeah the just uh uh connecting with them and uh fellowship with them was just awesome and uh yeah i can't wait to see them again but Thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, so there, uh, just showed a little bit. I was having trouble finding it, Chris, but the, we had a picture of the building there with the upper deck that will be finished out and the kids that were meeting in the Buffalo Barn uh, for children's ministry. So, um, and yeah, and great to hear, Russell, about uh, Janesh and good friends. Prabhat ended up being a great translator on the trip. Prabhat means morning. Subra Prabhat means good morning, and so he was definitely like a, the morning light shining on our trip. A lot of fun. Uh, here's just the drive uh, the next day, uh, eight-hour drive um, over you know some tough country, rough country in these uh, land cruisers and um, bridges are out and you're driving through rivers and um, and uh, they still have smiles on their faces even though people are throwing up all over the place in that jeep. A uh, little river rest that we had there, uh, beautiful river that we passed. This river leads up to what's called Lapu Besi. And Bessie means like lower or little. And so there's two Lapus. Uh, there's Lapu Bessie, and then we'll hike up to 
Tulo Lapu. Tulo is tall. We'll go up to the tall Lapu. But um, something that was a surprise last year, Lapu was just kind of a stop that we'd spend the night before we started trekking. And then as we um, got there in our Jeeps, we found out that just about in the last year, there's, been, there's become a Christian presence in this little village. And so this is our guest house where we, uh, we actually stayed in the kind of the rusty roof building to the bottom left there. Um, that rusty roof building there. Uh, it's actually a, not a bad place, although I saw the biggest spider I've ever seen in my life in my room. Had a panic attack, had to... In the middle of the night, this is what I heard screaming in the middle of the night. Didn't know what it was. A guy's running out after a screaming thing. Go, 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 go. So loud, so free. I didn't know. Someone's getting kidnapped. Someone's stealing something. Chris comes in. Did you hear about the leper that stole the goat in the middle of the night? I'm like, what are those lepers? Shouldn't they be in like a colony or something? You know, it's the joke from all last year, but I literally thought he meant leper. And I'm like, just give the guy the goat, you know. Um, it turns out there, it was a leopard in their big and ferocious over there and it comes up to our guest house steals a lep steals a goat and uh wounds it and uh for the rest of the night every three seconds the goat is like "Ah! Ah!" i mean it's really horrifying i'm not gonna lie to you in many ways but i think we ate that goat for the morning (laughs) breakfast but there's the front of our guest house there uh but there was uh always good kids playtime there but there was a Christian presence there of uh, how many believers did they say there are? I think I'd say two different numbers every time, but uh, 12. So uh, about 12 believers down there, and we were able to walk down, I'm trying to find, uh, sometimes it's hard to find, where am I? Lapu, oh, where are you? You're tricking me right now. Oh, Christians in Lapu Bessie. It's just out of order, you guys. So we end up hiking down to this uh, little hut, and um, it's totally out of order. Google doesn't let you arrange them, so I apologize. But we ended up praying in the dark over these Christians and having Dave hold up a flashlight so we could even see uh, each other. And uh, we just sat and listened to them talk about what the Lord's doing. There's more and more Christians coming. They went from a tiny little hut. Now they don't have anywhere to meet, so they're praying for land. And we have a new connection through Russ Roden and um, Mark Roden's brother, of some like church structures that they build uh, as a nonprofit. And so this is one place that we could totally see one of those being built. They just need some land. But here are these new Christians that just kind of have come out of the woodwork um, there in uh, Lower Lapu. Now uh, we'll hit up just our quick hike to uh, up to Lapu. And kind of part of what we have had to do in Nepal is almost everywhere you go, uh, you trek and you hike, and so we trained for the last few months on climbing mountains and going up rough, rugged stuff, and uh, it was about four hours of trekking up to the top on a pretty hot, warm day, and the Lord was faithful to get us up there, and once we got up there, we we got to Lapu, which is where there's a Calvary Chapel there. The pastor's name is Raju, and uh, and we tent camped. About half of us were outside. I can't say us because it wasn't me. Um, that building behind Dustin and Michelle is the church. And so some of us had tents inside the church where we slept. Others were outside. 
and just kids following us that are a part of the church and we're just loving on them and this is Rosindra and second year being with her she cooked just non-stop her and about three or four others just cook 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 uh rice and lentils and chickens and they just chop a chicken up kill it Aaron killed the chicken this year and uh they just chop it bones and everything and they cook it and it's actually tasty just got to I got a canker sore from a bone sticking into my lip, super, but, um, but there's Rosendra and the fire that she's cooking upon, and we just would have sweet times in any of our downtimes, just sweet times of worship and fellowship, and, uh, and so there is a church presence there, and so we were able to have a church service. They meet on Saturdays. It's kind of the day, the Nepali day of rest, and so we had the group do the drama, uh, I taught just a, a message, uh, especially regarding just for these Christians now to go out to the people groups around them and to minister and to reach out there. Um, anybody with some thoughts on just Lapu or the church there? Helping them do the dishes in the fountain there. And... I guess I'll just share. The children are super fun. They love to hang out. So just pray... Uh pray over the children that they would uh accept jesus i know there's not not all of them all of the kids are christians a lot of them uh are you know in christian homes but yeah just pray for the families uh in lapu and there's um you know there's a lot of people who are christians you know you say jamesy a lot which uh means i see christ's victory in you and so uh but yeah just an an awesome day in lapu days in lapu just staying up there Go ahead, and I'm trying to find that on here. Go but back to the screen you were just on the okay, last yeah, I had a better one of all of it, but it looks like nothing else is loaded, you guys. So I'm not sure Perfect. <laughs> Maybe if you go back to that one, okay. at least gives us an idea. So while we were there, we're constantly thinking about you know how we could come alongside the churches there, and, and this church is that little building right behind there. Um, probably is maybe a thirty by fifteen. Would you say a 30 by 15 uh, footprint? Um, it's actually, it was a shed. Uh, when they purchased the property, they decided, hey, we'll use this as a church. It has no insulation. has one light bulb, you know, inside of it. Um, in the summers, it gets extremely hot. It's a hot box in the summer. But they have quite a bit of land. And here's a picture of us standing on the land where we actually had some uh, tents planted that we were sleeping on. It's also part of the land. It's all terraced, Right? It's all terraced land. And we're trying to think of, number one, how we could be a blessing. They have little squatty potties there. They have two little squatty potties that are about four and a half feet tall. And uh, for us, it's really difficult to get in and out, right? But for them, it's no problem. So we're thinking, how we could extend the height of these things, another meter, and then we could actually be able to use them uh, more proficiently. But then we were starting to, talk into, started to talk to them about showers. There's no showers there. Um, the entire village, there's no showers. Um, they just started getting running water last year, so now they have running water in the village. Uh, last year, they had it sporadically. They'd have it for about an hour a day. Uh, this year, they have it uh, full-time. So we started asking them, would it be a benefit if we could build two showers on the church property? Number one, would, would the community use it, and would it be a blessing? And they were like, yes, it would. So we started talking to him about you know, building two showers, what that would cost us, how we could do it, uh, all the logistics of it. And then they said, but you know what we really need is we need to expand the building. 
And so we started looking at the land that's there and what it would take to kind of get it level so to have a bigger footprint for a larger um, building and then have showers and bathrooms on the backside of it. So that's something that we're kind of thinking about and praying about and uh, talking to them logistically about what that would cost. Obviously, they're way up in the mountains. So Roy talked about it's a four-hour hike. It's a 3,000-foot elevation gain from the bottom to the top. So by the time you're to the top, you, you're over a mile high. Uh, it's about 5,800 feet. So um, talking about the building, please be praying about that. If that's something that's just a, a good idea or if it's a God idea that we might get involved in something like that as well. Um, pretty excited to see what God is doing there. Uh, we actually met on one trip. We actually went down the valley to a village we'd never been to before. Down the valley, crossed the river, back up onto the top, then back down the valley. Probably only about a mile and a half as a crow flies, um, but it's about a four-mile trek walking uh, to a village on the far side. Um, Kani Gao is the village, and it was there that we found, strangely enough, they had, they had about uh, 16 believers there, but there's no pastor, no church, and they can't read. So those are some of the things that we're running into as we get up in these villages. Great, they have Christians there, but they're not able to read the Bible. Um, there's no pastor there. and There's no church for them to, to gather in. So that's one of the things that's really been a burden upon our heart to see how can we could train people up to go there, what we could do to help them to be able to grow in their understanding of the Word of God and who Jesus is, and then create a, an environment where they could actually be discipled and grow and worship together in a specific, in a specific building. So those are some of the things we've been kind of talking about and thinking about. Yeah, so thank you so much for that. Um gonna for some reason some things didn't load so we went up to upper lapu just uh, the same village that that church is in there's kind of this courtyard square area community hall is that building behind us and we just cranked up a speaker and started playing nepali music and we just started dancing like a bunch of fools lo and behold it draws a crowd right um so all these people are coming and uh and we whipped out you know a kid's parachute for playing games with and uh, encourage uh, some of the Nepali people to come and just dance with us. And these ladies are getting up, and they're just dancing, and we're cutting a rug. And we would, on a big loudspeaker over the whole village, say, we're going to do a drama, and we're going to you know, do this and that. And they just uh, started coming. Some ladies were hauling these rocks, and they just sat on their break and watched us. And Michelle, will you just share a little about this time? Michelle stood up and um, shared the gospel after our drama here, so... So this was uh, Saturday, so we had church in the morning down in Lower Lapu, and then we hiked up, and I was getting pretty anxious to start preaching the gospel, so um, super thankful that we had this opportunity, but there's something about uh, just being silly and having fun and just being complete goofballs that really lets everybody's guard down, and so that was just a great way to kind of break some barriers and get comfy with everybody. Um, so we got to do our drama, and this was really the first time that I just saw how it was impacting people. Like, I was able to watch <laughs> through my creepy eye mask um, and just see people's faces. They were so engaged in the story, and, like, there was just this look of expectancy on their faces. And when Russell kind of entered the drama, you could just see this, like, oh, like there's hope in this story, like there's a hero in this story. And so I was just really moved by that. Um, and yeah, just got to share the gospel, which was really a privilege for me. Um, 
And then uh, just something I was thinking about was not a coincidence, totally the Lord's providence, um, that we happened to gather at the site where these women were carrying all the rocks down to. So all those big like slabs of rock, they, they were carrying them on the like baskets and then with the rope up around their head. Um, and so it was just perfect because they were coming to this site um, to, to drop all these pavers. And so we happened to, to be there and get to share. Um, so that was a pretty, pretty special time. This was great right here because, you know, Russell removes this blind lady's glasses, Danielle's gla- Danny's glasses, and uh, everyone's like, <laughs> like, I know what that means, you know, and uh, it was just incredible, so. And so we went from, uh, there's Michelle sharing the gospel, uh, I have to kind of buzz fast. It was such a wonderful thing to watch uh, Liza just step out in boldness and with Sarah and they just were sharing with these girls and just these girls just loved being around Liza there. And uh, there's me in my tent. Oh, you weren't supposed to see that. That was for Lindsay. Like, hey. Uh, it's a goat. Yeah. So some of these are a little out of order. This is our church service again. Uh, so we hiked from... Uh, I'm going to hop out of here real quick. Uh, from Lapu, we went uh, up to, uh, say it again, Podu, and uh, had a great time sharing there. Someone share about our time up there. I'm going to scrudge down. Stopped at a po- school on the way. Podu was Yerni, the old lady that... Yes, yes. Yeah, best part of the whole trip. That's what I want to talk about. And Dustin gets to share about it. Sure. Okay. Um, So that was one of the day hikes that we did. We didn't take any um, pack stuff. So we just loaded our stuff up and we were going to do the drum up there. And um, I'll be, there's there's so much to share. I know we don't have time, but um, when we were doing the drum, it's like Michelle was saying, you can kind of see through your little eyepieces. And uh, we started to, even when Chris was sharing the gospel up there, um, you kind of look out and you kind of gauge on what, like who's paying attention, who wants to hear, who who wants to understand more. And there was a, a little old lady there, um, maybe reminded me a little bit of Grandma Barb. She was pretty feisty, but uh, <laughs> but, so cute. but so cute, yes. And she had a big nose ring, so you can, should consider that, Grandma Barb. Yeah. <laughs> she had this nose ring that like, drug half of her face down because it was so big <laughs> but she was she was showing her husband uh Myla I think yeah. may, maybe was his name and she kept trying to explain to him or, or at least try to understand maybe a little bit of of what Chris was talking about and then Rory shared the Tonka wheel that explains the life of Jesus uh death and resurrection um and she, there was a moment where we kind of ended everything and there was a lot going on. People were, uh, M- Michelle went down to show the gospel and I mean, people were doing that constantly, which was really cool. And, uh, for me to step back and I kind of watched all this happen. Um, it was an amazing thing. This little lady went off to the side and I think she called a non, one of our, our, um, guides and, she drew him away and, and asked him to come over. And then I think he asked Rebecca, one of the gals that were with us, to to come over and, and maybe pray for her. But um, she was explaining to Anon that she felt like, I'm towards the end of my life. I, I need to accept Christ. And 
she had heard previously from some family, she had heard um, about Jesus, but what I really felt like, and we talk about planting a seed, and I just really felt like we spent the day in prayer prior, or before we got up there, and you know, your prayer is, and this is kind of what we pray as a church too, like, Lord, go before us, um, man, just soften the hearts of the people that we're talking to, um, and I'm always constantly like, I, I would love to see somebody come to Christ. There's such a blessing in seeing that. That's a gift from the Lord to be able to do that. And um, watching this this lady, which was the last person I thought would be the one that accepted Christ, um, she she was, everything that she was saying, which is super interesting because the things that she was saying was something that she wasn't taught, like, the the principles of as you believe in Christ and the things that the way that he can change your life um it really i feel like to me was this moment of being baptized by the holy spirit the holy spirit uh, just giving her a new heart and that was like that transformation of uh i i know that i need this and i want him and she also asked us which was really sweet and one of the times that we met back up with her was um when you pray pray for me by name um because it's going to be difficult for me. And her husband um, was a little, um, he wasn't mad, but he was a little frustrated with her. Why would you Why would you do this? You know, because maybe that's not their belief. I don't know what their belief was, but that's her on the far left there sitting cross-legged. And um, he tried taking her Bible from her, and she slapped his hand away. <laughs> that's why we think she's pretty feisty. But um, I think she can handle her own. Uh, but I just, I want to be in constant prayer, especially for her, because I think... Um, there's a song that says, um, when I saw the prodigal, you saw the son. When I saw the 99, you saw the one. And I just, to me, um, what I wanted to communicate with her um, is that she made an amazing choice that day. And I hope when we're in eternity that she gets to stand next to me because um, because all the way over there and all the all the work that God has called us to do as a church and missionally and and the Great Commission and um, and Acts, as it tells us, in Jerusalem, Samaria, and, and all the nations, to be able to go out and to do that, for that one gal to make that choice, um, just summed up the trip for me that, in that one moment, um, because all of heaven rejoices when that happens. And so it's us as a body, us as individuals, as we're part of the missions, that makes it completely worth it, if it's just for the one. So super sweet lady, and that's her and her husband there. Yeah. So. We were able to pray for her husband, you know, as he's kind of, he was very friendly, but now he's like, oh, my wife's a Christian. He was a little bit distant, and you could tell he could barely move. He was all stoved up and hurting, and he let us pray for him. And uh, Rhonda, can you go back to proclaim? And just for the sake of time, guys, we're going to have to kind of end the trip stories there. Uh, we did a whole other day of trekking um, in Kanjigaon, and that was uh, really wonderful too. But I just want to close it out with... Um, uh, Go for it. Um, just one thing I wanted to share, too, is part of, like, one of the reasons why we go, and some of you know this, some of you don't, because um, I've been, I spent some time as a missionary overseas as well, and when Micah and I were praying about this trip, um, something that the Lord really spoke to us and spoke to me, and what I wanted to share with you guys today was, um, there's a verse in Isaiah, and it's Isaiah 6, 8, and it's just more of an encouragement to everybody here, and to what we do and who we are as a global mission. And it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? 
Then I said, here I am, send me. And so I just want to encourage you all to be sensitive to what God is doing in your life. And if God is leaning on you to be like, hey, talk to this person, raise your hand and say, send me, God. Or if he's pushing on you to do something else or join the next Nepal trip, just really be um, really be brave. I mean, it's it can be scary and it can be hard and frustrating and whatever else it is um, and whatever emotions you may feel. But that that that's just what I wanted to share with you guys. And that's what's comforted uh, my, myself and Micah. Of We just want to raise our hand and say, God, use me in whatever way you can. Just use me. So. Yeah, awesome. And that just leads into this final thought was... Um, this was uh, this picture of us here at the table. This was one of our uh, f- just most special times of the day where at the end of the trip we gathered and we just heard from the Nepali pastors and we just reshared our vision to reach the unreached. And uh, we had a map out on the table and we just said, look, we want to be as strategic as we can. We probably got 20 more years of mission left in us, you know, for me. So how can we best reach these unreached? And Raju from Lapu kind of pointed to that red circle and said, well, this is where I'm at. And we've already seen this week that there's some Christians here and they need equipping and they need discipleship. So that stirred us up for like, what, what can we do to maybe have conferences and just kind of just be real active on discipling these believers here. But at the same time, we know up north, up in those mountains are just severely unreached people groups. And as we were just stirred, but and so we still go, we still trek, or we still do whatever we can to reach the unreached. And I had a meeting that afternoon with a guy from a missions organization, and, uh, and he just helped me understand this map, that from that blue circle, there's one believer there who's a Christian and speaks Tibetan, and he has a heart to get up into the valley up to the right called the Sum Valley, Right now, nobody's a Christian up in there. It is just completely unreached. And then to the left is the Newbury Valley, which is where our friends from our previous missions organization have been reaching out to. And there's a little bit of a foundation there. So just to kind of close out today is um, be praying for us that we would know our marching orders from the Lord of that red area, making disciples, that we know that there's some Christians there. And then also when it's time to be branching out and heading up into these rugged mountains um, that uh, have some highly unreached people. And just one of the exciting things is uh, that the area that we're at is called the Gorka District, right in the middle of Nepal there. It's where the earthquake epicenter was back in 2015. Right there at Lapu is where the earthquake epicenter was. And uh, what do you think the odds are that right now in that area... The Gurung people group, that's what Raju is, that's what many of these Christians are. They're about 5% reached, which means there's a Christian discipleship presence right there. And then right spurring out from there, that red circle is just this untouched, these untouched valleys with the gospel. So let's start praying for that Lapu area, discipleship to be taken place. And then the Lord would give us vision on how to branch out and be reaching the unreached there. You guys have been so great. Sometimes these are the long Sundays when we do these Nepal share times. Thanks for bearing with us. I know how it is when, you know, Uncle Fester gets back from his vacation and he's got a slideshow and you're like, oh, goodness gracious. Like, I've never seen a steering wheel before, you know. Um, but let me just uh, close us down in prayer and uh, we'll dismiss you guys for Donut Fellowship time. 
Uh, Lord, as we just have so much here, our hearts are overflowing. We know the Bible is overflowing with your heart for the nations. And Lord, that, um, Lord, you are using our body in just such a way that humbles us, Lord. We pray that you would stir in our hearts, just as Danny was just saying, that we would say, here I am, Lord, send me. Send us out to Prineville today. Send us out to the region today. And Lord, just let us be looking at, even as we're talking about maybe a fall trip and a spring trip, so that we can just double our impact in this area to reach these dark valleys that then the gospel can get up into Tibet, just an untouched area. Lord, here we are. We got nothing. You are everything. Move in power, and we will give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, everybody. Hey, you got seven minutes to uh, grab your kids and get to the donut hour, and then we're going to start service number two. Thanks for your time today, you guys.